I now have the privilege of introducing our special guest. It is always an honour to welcome a world leader to Canada and to the Canadian Club of Toronto. It is especially gratifying when that individual is a person as widely and deeply respected as our guest, the Honourable Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam, 11th President of India. Many of you are familiar with David Johnson, who is currently transitioning from his role as President of the University of Waterloo to the esteemed role of Governor General of Canada. About Dr. Kalam, President Johnson recently had this to say. Dr. Kalam is recognized as one of India's most progressive mentors, innovators, and visionaries for his scientific and humanitarian work. Dr. Kalam was President of India from 2002 to 2007, during a time of remarkable transition in that country. Among Dr. Kalam's presidential legacies are his tireless work on behalf of young people and his visionary leadership in promoting India's development in the areas of science and technology. Dr. Kalam understands very well that, that knowledge, particularly scientific knowledge, can open doors to the future. By profession, he is an aeronautical engineer, a graduate of the Madras Institute of Technology. He rose to become chairman of India's Technology, Information Forecasting and Assessment Council. And with the help of 500 experts, he led India to develop Technology Vision 2020, a roadmap for transforming the country into a developed nation by the year 2020. Dr. Kalam's list of accomplishments includes having served as the principal scientific advisor to the Government of India from 1999 to 2001, being the chairman ex officio of the Scientific Advisory Committee to the Cabinet, and having piloted the India Millennium Mission 2020. As one of India's most distinguished scientists, he is the recipient of many awards and institutional fellowships including honorary doctorates from 30 universities and institutions. In fact, just three days ago, the University of Waterloo presented Dr. Kalam with an honorary doctorate of engineering. Dr. Kalam has been honored with India's most coveted civilian awards, Padma Bhushan in 1981, Padma Vibhushan in 1990, and the highest civilian award, Bharat Ratna in 1997. Today, he'll share his thoughts with us about science and its role in determining the future, our own, and that of the world at large. Please welcome Dr. APJ Abdul Kalam. Oh, friends, my greetings to all of you. First of all, I would like to greet uh, Nicholas Chambers, Mr. Uh, the President of uh, the Canadian Club of Toronto. And uh, all of you, very nice to meet you in the lunch time. And you have finished your lunch. The topic uh, uh, initially, science is borderless, but I will change the topic to suit the occasion. You don't mind, I think so. <coughs> uh, friends, when an uh, organization or a club, India, like a Canadian club, when it's starting 114th year, I was asking myself, when the president told me that is 114 years old, I was asking myself, what is its significance? 
you know the planet earth it's uh, rotates own axis it takes 24 hours then this fellow planet earth orbits around the sun a uh, one year it takes and uh, toronto is in the planet earth with the Canadian Club of Toronto, this planet Earth has orbited the Earth full orbit 113 times, and its age is 113. And now you are entering your 114th orbit around the Sun, your Canadian Club of Toronto. My hearty congratulations to all of you. <laughs> I'm delighted to deliver yeah, the public lecture, and also I am going to interact with the members of the Canadian Club. I understand you hear and you interact with the leaders from Canada and other countries on subjects of societal relevance. That's really beautiful. Uh, Canadian Club indeed facilitate the dissemination of knowledge uh, from multiple disciplines and culture and nation thus creates a unity of mind among various segments of the society, be it scientific, technical, political, or journalism. It involves synthesis of knowledge from different specialized fields of human endeavor for human progress. In a mature democratic process, Different views are essential to move towards citizen-centric, welfare-oriented, efficacy policy direction. My greeting to the members of Canadian Club, distinguished guests, invitees, and friends. I was thinking what thoughts I can, I can share with you. I have decided some thoughts on, and uh, thoughts on, uh, few events which I have experienced, so I want to share with you. It may be scientific event, managerial events, or even evolving the mission for the world and the country. First, I am going to start with your, uh, I start with uh, an event took place on Sunday. Dear friends, I was born in small island called Rameshwaram in India. I am an island fellow. India itself surrounded by a seawater in all the three sides of uh, Indian Ocean, Bay of Bengal and Arabian Sea. The northern side is surrounded by Himalayas. I was born very close to the sea and I was grown in the environment all around the sea. I worked and launched rocket system, put the satellites in the orbit from the sea coast, and built the missile rangers in the sea coast and the islands. Main part of my life I spent in and around the surroundings of water. Why I am saying this, friends? Whenever I visit your great nation, Canada, for me, even for the world, the first impression what we get is water, water everywhere. Water enriched with rich biodiversity, Canada. After rich Toronto, Canada on 25th September 2010, 
I went to Niagara Falls to attend a four socio and cultural functions on Sunday to start with. I visited Niagara Falls and I was staying very close to Niagara Falls and could see the mighty falls. In front of me from my chambers of stay and enjoyed its natural beauty in day and night time too. After seeing the mighty step taken by its leadership of Canada, connecting the lakes, rivers, ultimately connect to the Atlantic Ocean, it was the amazing step taken by Canada uh, towards the humanity of the world, enriching the nation and bring peace. I understand the gigantic Niagara Falls, which throws 30,000 million gallons of water per minute, and its perennial is the gift of God. Dear friends, I am convinced the people of Canada are living in the nation of water, and Canada can be called the nation of water and water. When I was witnessing the rainbow from the millions of drops emanated out of Niagara Falls, my mind was filled with joy and my thoughts were hovering around its youthfulness forever. What is the message it communicates to the world? Yes, the world of three billion young and energetic youth, what is the message Niagara Falls gives? I could not control myself. I composed a poem. You want to hear the poem? Yeah. Eh? <laughs> I composed a poem. As a tribute, I composed a poem as a tribute to Niagara Falls of Canada, the water nation. Share, I said, I would like to share with you. The name of the poet poem is A Song of the Mighty Fall. A Song of the Mighty Fall. It goes like this. Oh, Niagara Falls, you always look young and energetic. What can be the message to the youth of the planet? What can be the message youth of the planet, including our students sitting there? Now, Niagara Falls says, Oh, youth, I have a rhythmic song for you. You can recite it and recite it. The youth power of the world is the greatest power, Niagara Falls says, the youth power of the world is the greatest power on the earth, above the earth, and under the earth. Youth with their power can transform the planet earth into prosperity and peace. This is the, this is the song, and uh, it came just a few minutes, but the uh, song goes, a big song, uh, 40 lines, I'm not going to repeat. This is the essence of it, okay? Friends, wherever I go, even in uh, Canada, I address universities, uh, schools, colleges, cultural program. One question that always comes in from the young minds, can you tell us, based on your experience, how to succeed in life? Of course, you are all successful people sitting in front of me. But these were young people, they are asking this question. So I told them that one of the biggest thing is, is the aim in life. You must set a goal in your life and then acquire the knowledge continuously. And you have to sweat and sweat, uh, hard work. And perseverance, problem should not defeat you. You should defeat the problem and succeed. These are the four principles for success. These are the Four proven steps. Now, I would like to share one real story 
which happened when I was the president of India. You know, every week on Saturday, I used to meet 250 young people in different parts of the country. On that day, they come from northeastern tribal states, original people, and there were a number of students were there, 250 students from the northeastern states, all young people below 17. When I asked them, what is your dream? What is the type of life you want to lead? Many people say they want to become doctors, engineers, lawyers. Some people said they want to go to Mars. Few people said they want to politicians. So all this was nice to hear. But one boy got up. The boy said, my name is Srikant, Mr. President. I want to become the president of India, first president of India who is visually handicapped. You know, he did not have the eye, he cannot see. But he wanted to become the first president of visually handicapped person. So that dream was so fantastic. I wished him all the best. This fellow was the 10th class he was staying. Then he studied 10 plus 1, 10 plus 2. He got 95% mark. In MIT USA, he got admission. As soon as he got the admission, the CEO of one of the company in India wrote him a letter, DS Recon, as soon as you finish your education, you come to India, your job is waiting for you. But uh, the boy writes like this, dear CEO, I'm definitely I will join you if I don't become the president of India. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is, uh, you know, the issue here, one can, he has got a vision. A physical vision he doesn't have, the boy, but he has got the vision. So that we are all very much moved. The another thing is I am teaching nowadays at uh, Gatton College of uh, Business and Economics at Kentucky. This April I was with them. So when I was teaching, a one student, the subject is how to evolve a happy, prosperous society. Uh, the, what are the methods in the difficult world? How to evolve the happy, prosperous, and peaceful society? So then when we are discussing various issues, one student got up. The student asked me, Mr. Kalam, we find in your book uh, many things in life you have done. Which is the one you felt the happiest occasion? Happiest occasion. Now it's a very tough in life, 60 years. I'm 78 and this girl asked me in 60 years time, what is the thing which you have done which made you more happy? So I have to explain. So the first thing in 1980, when India built its own satellite launch vehicle and put the satellite in the orbit, I was the project director and the mission director. And uh, it was a beautiful thing to happen. I felt very happy. My team was happy. The nation was happy. In 1990, when we launched the missiles, inter, inter ballistic missiles of a range 2,000 kilometers, he reached the target. That also gave a lot of happiness because 2,000 kilometers, India's first time, 
it, it indicates uh, the capacity of missile performance. Third thing in May 1998, 18th May 1998, the temperature in the desert area, it was 53 degrees Celsius. Uh, here you know you have got 20 degrees Celsius now. So 53 degrees Celsius and uh, the, the, the test was done, nuclear test was done. India became a nuclear weapon state. So that also gave a lot of happiness. Then we award about 500 experts a document, India 2020 vision. This document, how India can transform the economically developed nation was presented to the cabinet and to then to the parliament. When the parliament discussed and parliament felt the importance of the vision, that also gave a lot of happiness. But still I am not meeting the question what uh, the student has put, which gave you maximum happiness. There I have to narrate an incident. When I was a scientist, when I was working, I developed uh, for Agni missile, there's a long range missile, a material called carbon-carbon material. This carbon-carbon material has got a unique quality and a high temperature, it will be strong and also it will not ablate. So this material we have used uh, for as a heat shield, for a re-entry heat shield for Agni missile. So it flies 15 times the sound speed. The, it will in outside temperature will be about 4000 degree Kelvin. Inside will be just like the room, this temperature what you are experiencing. So that method that uh, a friend of mine, an orthopedic surgeon, want to see what is that material gone in Agni missile. When he came to my laboratory and saw the heat chill so light, so strong, he took me to his orthopedic ward. You know, he's a doctor. He has got an orthopedic center for polio patients. There all the children, about 30 children, they were wearing uh, the calipers, or called F4O, floor reaction orthosis item, the calipers they were wearing. It was four kilogram, each set is four kilogram. So he asked us, he gave us a challenge, why not he use the same Agni missile material for, for making calipers. For four, we took about two weeks time, a mold we made for 30 children, and uh, then we prepared the calipers. The four kilogram is became a 400 grams, one-tenth of the weight. When the children wore, Everybody was happy. The children were happy. Their mothers, particularly the tears came, happy tears. Their children can run. That was the happiest occasion. I, I can. <laughs> now, friends, I am going to talk to you. The real, uh, what we have to do, you know, the question is, wherever university discussion I'm having, one point comes in, you have, uh, you have, uh, you know, G8 nations, eight nations economically developed, and there's a possibility two more nations join, they are become G10, India and China, at about 2.5 billion people, 
joining in the club of G8. That means G10. G8 and G10, it become, will there be peace and prosperity will come to the, all the countries, will it come? That's the question. The debate for the issue in schools and colleges where I teach, one of the issues we discuss, will the peace and prosperity will come? This G8 transforming G10, will it come? What's your feeling? Peace and prosperity. Prosperity may come, 10 nations, okay? But peace, will it come? G8 has not brought in peace. G10, will it brand? Because 2.5 2 million people joining together in that club, will it come? So friends, we, the, let me present to you the visualization. What we felt, with the answer was that it, peace will not come. Because developing nation hundreds, developed nation eight or ten. So as long as differences are there, the societal differences are there, peace will be a big question mark, big question mark. So what we do? So we evolved what is called World Vision 2030. Let me present you this visualization. A world of nation where the divide between rural and urban, rich and poor, Develop and developing has narrowed down. This is one of the requirements. A world of nation where there's equitable distribution and adequate access to energy and quality water. A world where core competencies of each nation are identified. Mission synergizing the core competencies of different nations lead to the economic advantage and faster development for all the societies. This is the essence of it. A world of nation where all the students of all the societies are imported education with value system. A world of nation where affordable quality healthcare is available to all. A world of nation where the governance responsive, transparent and corruption free. A world of nation where crimes against, uh, against all sorts of crimes absent, none in the society feels alienated. A world in which every nation is able to give a clean, green environment to all its citizens, a world that is prosperous, healthy, secure, devoid of terrorism, peaceful and happy, and continues the sustainable growth path. Finally, a world of nation with creative leadership, creative leadership who ensure effective mechanism to resolve conflicts between nations and societies in a timely manner, keeping overall peace and prosperity of the world as a goal. I would like to seek your remarks, how you can contribute each of the pillars above. You may mail to me, apj at the rate of abdulkalam.com. Uh, friends, out of, while I was in the University of Louisville in April, I met, uh, I met the prestigious McConnell scholars with whom I discussed this visualization, 2030 visualization. While we were discussing, one of the scholars asked me, can you tell us how such a vision can be realized by 2030? Of course, it will have a multi-pronged focus with multi-dimensional approach spanning across the multiple societies and nation. For a peaceful and prosperous world, nation have to be peaceful and prosperous. For that, the state within the nation, the urban rural areas within the state have to be peaceful and prosperous. 
equitable development of nation in a sustainable way is a prerequisite for achieving a distinct profile as depicted above. The challenges faced by the nation dealing with the diverse issues in different countries, sometimes similar way, sometimes differently, call for new methods of collaboration between among the nation. Technological complexities and cost factor in solving issues like water, energy, independence, environment production, health will require intense cooperation, research development, and the operationalization between the nations. We need to work together to understand and protect against the fury of nature like earthquake, cyclone, flood, and famine. The recent economic turbulence has taught us the need for resilient measures globally to present any such setbacks. The youth of the world are ready to contribute to development, and we need to enable them with global cadre skill sets and higher education skills. The ignitement of the youth is the most powerful resource above the earth, on the earth, under the earth. We have to combine our vigilance against terrorism of any kind. Of course, we have to fight against common enemies of illiteracy, poverty, drug menace, and other di diversion for the development. Art, music, and sports are indeed integrating factors for the unification of human minds. Such initiatives themselves with the auger well for improving understanding and cooperation among nations. Now, friends, what is the kind of leadership is essential to achieve the World Vision 2030? What is the most important ingredient that will enable the business leaders to realize global innovation and create globally sustainable system for development? My study indicates that creative leadership, particularly emanating from the youth, is the most important component for attaining success in all missions. I would like to define based on my experience, number one, the leader must have a vision. The leader must have a passion to transform the vision into action. A leader must be able to travel into the unexplored path. A leader must know how to manage a success and failure. And leader must have a courage to take decision. Leaders should have a nobility in management. Every action of the leader should be transparent. Leader, most important, must work with integrity and succeed with integrity. The creative leadership means exercising the vision to change the traditional role from the commander to the coach, manager to mentor, from director to delegator, from one who demands respect to one who facilitates self-respect. For evolving a happy, prosperous, peaceful, and sustainable planet Earth beyond 2030, every nation should give an important trust on the generation of number of creative leaders in many disciplines. My greetings and best wishes to all the members of uh, Canadian Club, distinguished guests, invitees, and friends present here for success in the mission of becoming global leaders, pioneering towards development of a sustained world. May God bless you all, friends. Dr. Clam has agreed to uh, answer some questions, and we have uh, a roving microphone uh, manned by Jennifer. So please, uh, your questions are most welcome. Uh, 
good afternoon, Mr. Klam. Uh, I'm Puneet. I'm, I'm an MBA student from Richard Ivey School of Business. Uh, you mentioned about the Vision 2030. And I wanted to know how the youth of Canada can contribute towards uh, the development of um, India or even uh, the world you're envisioning in 2030. I believe one area on the uh, environment and energy and environment. This uh, definitely India and Canada and many nations can work together. Uh, for example, the clean energy is uh, nuclear energy and the clean energy is the solar power. In solar power as well as clean energy, the both nations can join together. Uh, bring out, uh, say, uh, 500 megawatt power, a model of 500,000 megawatt power. And this can be wherever the coal-fired uh, thermal power plants are there, they can be replaced with the um, uh, environment-friendly uh, solar power and nuclear power. So India and uh, uh, Canada can take the leadership in that. Hello, sir. My name is Ramana. I just have a, a broad question that you can give an advice on. Um, I think I got the three points. Uh, water, youth, and education are the pillars of future growth. In Canada, we are fortunate we have water and youth. I think education is not managed um, as well as we can. And I guess uh, one of the, the, the question is, how do you initiate that? And how do you make that as a, a sponsored a federated event, and what are the lessons learned from all your experience in India, how we did in India? Education. Yes. Well, in India, the education, you know, there are three tier education, primary, secondary, higher education. Uh, this well, last two, that is secondary and the higher education, my concern is not very high. But uh, the primary education, that is of the children of age of 15 years, our edu primary education, we want to see the creativity uh, comes out of the students from the, because of the teachers and classroom. So there we want to make some reform in the country. And uh, there's a big team is working under Professor Yash Paul, educationist. The, uh, the complete syllabus, a big syllabus our children has got, how to make it creative classes and creative classrooms. So that we are uh, designing. Uh, for the primary school education. It's a, now it's a free uh, and compulsory education, primary education. But the way we teach, the way we hire the teachers, the way the classroom look like, we have to change. I believe, you know, by another 10 years' time, India can become um, an economically developed nation. Possibilities are there. If we maintain the GDP growth, economic growth, it is about 8.5% now. If we maintain 10%, next year they are, we are visualizing 10%. Definitely by 2020, India will become an economically developed nation. See, I personally believe that's not the only aim. 
in our India 2020 vision, we want to have a good citizens also, not only prosperity, but also we have to generate good citizens. How do we evolve a good citizens? That's a, a big challenge. So I used to say that, uh, you know, where uh, there is a righteousness, it's a good question you asked me, that's why I have to deal with that. Where there is a righteousness in the heart, there's a beauty in the character. Where there is beauty in the character, there is harmony in the home, in the home. When there is harmony in the home, there is order in the nation. When there is order in the nation, there is peace in the world. Can you see, if you have one trait, one quality, beauty in the character possible, harmony in the home is possible, order in the nation possible, peace in the world possible. How do you get that one quality, righteous in the heart? How do you get it? How do you get it? Any, any thoughts? Eh? <laughs> Only three people can do, can give you the righteous in the heart up to age 17. Afterwards, you can't do anything. <laughs> okay. That is father, mother in a spiritual environment. And third one, the primary school teacher. So these are the people. So what we have to do, we have to ensure the righteous, the heart, if families acquire also. That means for that I am propagating a something like a joint family system or extended family system. Plus the value system that is in the schools up to age of 17, the moral science class, the best of human minds which we know throughout the world should be taught there. Okay. Yes. Good afternoon, Dr. Kalam. Uh, it's a really privilege uh, that I'm, um, I'm among one of the listeners here and to listen to your thoughts and vision. Uh, my name is Samir Sen, and you just mentioned about the higher education in India. Uh, so I have a question regarding that, uh, about the Professor Yashpal uh, committee report, which came, uh, I think, uh, sometime last year. And in that, he mentioned, uh, in fact, the IIT and IIMs in India, which are you know the premier league uh, colleges, uh, to in fact take initiative to launch programs in literature as well as in politics to create politicians for the future for India. So my question is how much you agree with uh, that kind of uh, uh, summary which he arrives. Uh, do you think the leadership in India requires uh, education and, uh, and why, why and why not? I think it's a fantastic question whether politicians, they need a school, <laughs> you know. But uh, I think I, we can debate it actually for two, two or three minutes. Uh, because, uh, you know, as per our constitution, uh, any country's constitution, that uh, the people with certain eligibility, uh, with a minimum qualification, um, certain type of experience, uh, they can work for uh, political uh, legislators or uh, uh, or parliament members. They can work for. Uh, for example, I I uh, last year I took class, okay, I, in I am Bangalore, 
for 250 legislative members of Karnataka Assembly, okay, the new, new entrants, after election, new entrants. When I interacted with them, I was with them for some time, interacted with them, they are, nowadays the young people are coming in politics, that's a good news. And second thing is, the cost of becoming elected, becoming a very uh, high, very high. And uh, that uh, puts in cycle of all bad things to happen. So my feeling is, answer to your question, that they, they have, a, you can't have a school like IAM or IIT for politicians, but you can always say every five years, the political leaders go through a course of three months in, in a school uniquely developed for them, for political leaders. Because in politics, it has got two components, political politics and development politics. The development politics, politicians should do most of the time, but they are doing the political politics. So we need really, we need really a good uh, teaching at various institutions, various countries. We must all come together to have, but, they, but how to make them to get convinced they need a school? <laughs> Yes. One more question. Pardon? One more. Oh, yes, yes. As long as you can see that I catch my flight, yes. <laughs> All right, I'll make this a very simple question. And I'm Vivian Rambier. I'm what's called a complexity scientist and cardiologist. Very, very simple question. What is science? You've been doing science for a long time in India. Is Eastern science, Western science, Indian science, has science changed over that time? And the reason I ask this is there's an increasing tendency to look at basic science. What is science? science? I yeah. your question. Yeah, to, but the reason is to look at science to achieve, to change social differences, which you mentioned. There's somebody in Madras who wrote recently about econophysics, bringing ideas from physics, nuclear physics, into economics. Can we find a science that helps with social differences and social development, et cetera? See, I personally believe science is borderless, okay? Uh, it can be anywhere. A Raman effect can be discovered in India, and uh, or, a, or a relativity can be discovered in America, but uh, it's all now with the time, uh, with the time difference reducing the science become borderless. Where the difference comes in technology, because science, when you add value, it become, when you transform into technology, it becomes money. No? Technology has got uh, dimensions of a cost, money, and quality. So that, uh, there only the restriction comes in. But there also, I have my own experience, uh, two technologies when they meet, they meet, and they find something unique in one laboratory in one country, another thing unique, another, another laboratory. They try to bring together with investment and lead to prosperity. That I have seen myself. So it looks to me that uh, science borderless, uh, technology should be done in cooperation. And uh, definitely the in life, human life, you can see that how the 
the science transforming into technology is making our life simpler, uh, richer, and sometimes it creates problem, problems also. That's a part of the life. Thank you, Dr. Kalam. At this point, I'd like to welcome Gordon Rahman, director of the Canadian Club of Toronto, to the podium. Thank you, Dr. Kalam. Like most of the West, we in Canada have marveled at the transformation that has taken place in India. As you know, Canada and India have a special relationship. A million of our citizens trace our origins or ancestry to India and every year thousands more choose Canada as a place to visit, study, or even live. Canada may be a nation of water, but India is truly a nation of adaptation. Over the past many years, India's investment in educating its people, particularly in science and technology, and preparing them for the knowledge economy, has enriched the entire world, Canada included. Its success and ability to adapt so quickly has already begun to translate into greater prosperity for its people, and clearly reflects the positive forward-thinking changes that India has made. Congratulations on your and India's success, and thank you again for sharing your stories and your thoughts for the future of our world with us today. Thank you, Gordon. Special, again, special thanks again to you, Dr. Kalam to the Canada-India Foundation, and to Scotiabank for making today possible. This concludes our television programming, which will be broadcast on Rogers TV in the days to come. We are grateful to Rogers TV and 680 News for their continuing promotion of Canadian Club events. This meeting is now adjourned.